0: Welcome to another edition of the Columbia University Sports Podcast, where we talk about the business of sports and innovation, technology, media, all different kinds of things. We've been here on Radio Row. We are now on day three. Uh, We're going to talk a little USA football. Uh, I'm Joe Favorito along with Scott Rosner. Scott, welcome back. Joe, great to be here as always. Cool.
1: So why don't we talk about our guests? Yeah. So we've got... Two of the, the leaders in the space here, and uh, a, a guy who I've known from a of and, and a little bit uh, for a long time, Mark Murphy, uh, who's currently the president and CEO of the Green Bay Packers. Um, and had a long career in, in the league, and uh, had a, a career had a career prior to being with the Packers in intercollegiate athletics as an athletic director in a couple of different places. Colgate um, and Northwestern. Colgate and Northwestern, uh, and Scott Hollenbeck, who is the CEO of USA Football, um, the national governing body for the sport. So, welcome, guys. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, it's
2: yeah, great to have. Thank you for having us. us. Yeah, absolutely.
1: So, let's talk about football
0: development. Um, Especially on the youth level, there's been a lot of talk about where it's going, how fast it's growing, where new players are coming from, uh, how the pipeline's being filled. So kind of give us a little bit of an update to get started.
3: Sure. So first of all, USA Football created the Heads Up Football program some nine, ten years ago. That's a really good safety foundational program. But as you know, the participation numbers in tackle continue to decline a little bit about 9% over the last five years, but then flag is increasing. And interestingly enough, most people don't realize there are actually more kids playing today in football than there were even five years ago. But with that, we're a member of the US Olympic Committee. We started to look at what all the other sports are doing. So if you look at tennis with their new under 10 tennis. If you look at soccer, that's probably been the leader in this, has you know, eight different goal sizes, eight different fields, and, and hockey's doing some new things. And like baseball, with t t-ball coach pitch, player pitch. We eventually came back to football and said, wait a minute, why are we only looking at a 100-yard field You know, and everyone has to do the exact same thing? Let's look at this idea of a progression, let's look at skill development, let's look at the best practices from other sports, um, and simply put, we're building that paradigm out. So now we're looking at it from a contact standpoint, because let's face it, most of the conversation, and rightfully so, is how do you address contacts? All the way from the NFL, all the way down. Everyone's doing it, and rightfully so. So we, are, we have a model now It's based on the idea of non-contact, limited contact, and contact, and then if you will, game types underneath that. So naturally, underneath non-contact would be flag. Under limited contact is relatively new, the idea of what we're calling either padded flag or there's a group out there called tackle bar, which is just a harness around your waist. Same idea. Basically, we'll teach kids all the, the uh, skills and technique and so forth of tackle football without going to the ground. So, it's an excellent way for someone to put the pads on, which, let's face it, most people consider that to be real football, and experience and enjoy that, but get comfortable with the game. And then win and if ready, transition to what we call contact, which basically is, is two types. One would be rookie tackle, and of course, traditional tackle. Rookie is simply taking a 100 yard field, calling it down to say 40 by 35, maybe up to 60, and six, seven, or eight kids on a field, no special teams, no blitzing, kids play multiple positions. And we piloted this now. And the last point I'll make quickly is, from a parent perspective, which is really what this is all about, let's face it, uh, we've done independent research with parents, but those in football and those outside, and overwhelmingly there still is a true love of football. And their concern has been, I'm just not comfortable with the current offer. So if you present me something new and different, we call it reimagining football, the receptivity to this new model has been really, really
1: strong. So it's really interesting. I've done work in this space with regards to baseball, and was part of the group. We actually created the play ball program that Major League Baseball uh, has gone, had adopted, and then adopted. Um, and really interesting, one of the things we've seen in baseball. Uh, with a lot of things we wanted to do that haven't been put into play yet, there's been a lot of pushback from from inside uh, the industry. The stakeholders are really kind of like, hey, well, we've always played baseball nine-on-nine, nine, and that's what baseball is. Talk about some of the pushback and the internal pieces that you've had to go through um, to get your stakeholders to buy in.
3: That's an excellent point. When we first started, we've been talking about this and learning about this and spending time with, again, these other governing bodies and their stakeholders for a number of years now. And as you would expect, I'll respectfully call them traditionalists. Uh, they are all about eleven aside full field, and we start talking about uh, tackle. You know, if it's Texas or if it's the South, right? They're sort of, I'm, you know, flag. I'm sorry, I'm talking about flag. They're, they're, you know, they're not. They're reticent to be, to be respectful. Um, but then you go to the Northwest or the Northeast, and it's the complete opposite. They, they're reticent about tackle. So in short. We think we've found that middle ground here, or maybe, a, maybe a, an acceptable solution for all, in that we are not putting ages on this. We are very much empowering and engaging with the youth commissioners and the leaders and the parents and the coaches and saying, we've built a paradigm here now that we think can work for all. That's why we literally call it football for all. And you can have girls, you can have boys, all that kind of stuff, and they can work within this. Well Scott, I don't know. When I, I was young, my mm-hmm. kids are growing up, I coached
2: T ball and coached Piss. So and <laughs> So you guys should hang out I, I, together. No, no, I think no, it, makes no, it sense. is. You know, I, you want to give parents options for sure. Big, one of the biggest questions that parents face is, what's the right age to play tackle football? When's the when's the right time to start? And if you're not comfortable starting in the seven or eight, then play flag. And Mark, when, you know, when did
1: you play? I mean, you had a long NFL career. When did you start? I playing?
2: started playing football as a sixth grader. and right. Started right, right. with tackle. Right. And I actually was living in Houston, Texas. So it's right. like.
1: You were but, almost late.
2: Yeah, yeah, I, uh, I was. Yeah. Um, yeah, my father played football in college, um, so I'd kind of grown up around it. Uh, you know, back then, to be honest, there was really no, nobody talked about the risk of playing football or the, you know, the dangers, and uh, so I, but... Um, I felt that was a good time for me to start, and you know, after sixth grade, then you know, I played junior high football.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, one of the things we think about from the, from the overall perspective, the very top of the pyramid at the NFL, Mark, where you are, um, is one of the great predictors. Maybe the single greatest predictor of fan avidity for the NFL is if you played the game as yeah. a young person, right? And so, from a league's perspective, you know when you see the you know the, the long-term questions, not even necessarily about the player pool, as these participation numbers have dropped um, in, ta- in traditional tackle football, but the long-term fan avidity question, because that's where you know a small percentage sure. of your fans are providing most of the revenue uh, for your for your teams. Um, so, how much does that come into play in some well, of the strategy it's as well?
2: Absolutely, absolutely, something at the league level.
1: Um, I go back to
2: the late 1990s when. Gene Upshaw and Paul Tagliabue came together and said, we've got to do something to make sure the kids continue to play football for that exact reason, that uh, not only it's a pipeline for, uh, you know, for our players, but more importantly, it's, you know, as you said, the statistics show if you played the game, you're much more likely to become an avid fan. You know, the the other thing, and, and, you know, again, almost 17 years as an athletic director. I saw this evolve, but the whole trend towards specialization mm-hmm. is, is terrible. And, yep. um, You're you know, preaching think, to the choir on this oh, one. Oh, I know. Yeah. And, you know, the football is starting to creep a little bit in that way, but, you know, one of the <laughs> things, you, know, you look at, I was at the Hall of Fame luncheon today, so many of our great players, you know, they played multiple sports. Yeah. And, we talked about this before. Yeah, you yeah, yeah. just don't, you don't see that anymore, and it. uh, I, I, and that's one of the reasons that participation is down, you know, just because there's more specialization.
1: Yeah, so Scott, you talked about uh, what hockey's doing. You mentioned, mentioned it in their athlete development model, where they're actually encouraging kids to play more than one sport, to play more than hockey. Is it the same thing uh, with USA football? Is it, hey, let's play as many sports as you can for as long as you can?
3: Unequivocally, yeah. yes. We completely agree with that. In fact, we always promote it. and we, You often hear something like that around draft time, right, that the top... Whatever, you know, 29 to 32 players played multiple positions. We, we, the college community now, the high school community, we're all trying, especially the football stakeholders, are really trying to drive that message home.
1: So, but what seems to be working against that? I mean, we I know what it's working against it in other sports, um, and it's the business side of it, right? So, uh, my child who plays club soccer, uh, you know, hey, he's 11 years old, but hey, you need to be playing year round or you're going to be losing out. Uh, to the other kids who are, right? So what in football has been pushing it towards single-sport specialization? Is there anything in particular? It's
2: a lot of the same things. Yeah. You know, desire to get a scholarship. You know, you want parents want their... Well, that's the other... Parents are a big problem. Yeah. You know, one of the <laughs> things... I mean, as an <laughs> athletic director, I saw it. One of the side effects of parents' a sports specialization is the parents are much more involved in their, their children's sport. Yeah. So, you know, let's say you're an elite basketball player you're playing AAU year-round, You know, maybe playing for your high school, your parents are driving you to every different event. They're with you, and it's not healthy, Yeah, I would say that. Mm-hmm. You know, football, one of the things, football, I think, is probably among the best sports in terms of players being able to play other sports, but I think the trend towards spring football, seven-on-seven, Um, You know, that's kind of
3: pushing more towards specialization. Yeah, the 7-on-7 is one of the biggest concerns in football now. It's referred to often as the AA unization of football. Yeah, exactly. It's the summer circuit. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. so that's traditional tackle football, really, no matter what form it takes, uh, doesn't lend itself to playing multiple games in a weekend, right? So it's really today probably the only sport, at least that I'm aware of, that isn't on that treadmill or that cycle of elite travel team tournament driven. And while there's no question that parents are pushing that in fairness on the other hand to your very point it's a multi-billion dollar industry and parents are being told all the time if your kid doesn't make this team they're not going to get to that next level They're not going to have a scholarship it's, it's all about recruiting all about scholarships it's, it's a concern yeah.
0: mark from a grassroots level can you talk a little bit about what the packers one of the more traditional franchises in the nfl are doing to try and address this
2: yeah, no, we, we have, uh, through our community relations department, uh, we have a youth football program and we're putting a lot of resources into, you know, youth leagues across the state of Wisconsin and trying to get, you know, and, and we use our players a lot to get out and, you know, there, whether it's clinics and trying to get more, more,
0: more kids playing football. And one of the things you touched on is kids. Can you talk a little bit about girls and inner city and how these programs can help?
3: Yeah, actually, thank you. That's a great point. So one of the other things we're doing, we worked with Gwinnett County, one of the largest counties in, in Georgia, and then just recently Jefferson Parish from Louisiana, and we started a middle school girls flag program. It's just a neat sidebar story, right? When you start something like that, you have no idea how many girls are going to come out. So so we, we worked closely with the NFL teams as well as other parties, and we were sort of hoping with 15, 20 girls come out. In Georgia, I'll tell you, there was 150 to 400 girls per yep. school. Amazing. It is stunning. Yeah, that's amazing. Girl, it's, they just want to play. It yeah. speaks to that. So, so there's massive opportunity and growth potential there. In fact, Georgia is going to announce it. They had not already. Maybe they have. It's going to become a varsity sport. In Florida, it's a varsity wow. sport. It's moving that direction. And the only thing I'll mention real quickly is we recognize now, we're pursuing it, that flag will probably be our Olympic model. Ta- tackle, for not even a safety issue, it doesn't fit in a 17-day Olympic window. Sure, d- d- The delegation is too big, men, women. Flag is really competitive, and you can smaller teams. Yeah, so anyway, we, it's, it's exciting.
1: No, it is really exciting. I mean, we think about the... Um, you know the push and the push in across the national, Federation of high school, of high school and athletic associations uh, for flag to make it a varsity sport. Um, and you know you still get the traditional, you know, kind of what I'm hearing, the traditional pushback. Hey, it's not real football, um, that sort of thing. And you still have the, you know, the the, the, the boys who are still playing uh, traditional tackle, of course, at, at a very high number of kids. Still, it's, it's still the, you know, I believe the number one, number one most participated sport at the high school level. Um, but all of this in the end is a good thing, right? I mean, it's, excuse me, it is, you know, we think about finally different ways of thinking about bringing more athletes under the tent, if you will, and a safe it, and way. that's
3: what this entire model is about. We yeah. call it the wide end of the funnel. Just make the funnel bigger and wider mm. and let the kids, you know, filter down that funnel as it's best for them.
1: You
2: know, the, the other thing I'd say that, that the league is doing and then the teams are as well is what they call a fields program one of the barriers to football is it's a larger field and you know particularly in inner city areas um schools re- really can't afford um uh, you know particularly artificial fields so we make grants available uh, across the league to, to different communities and that makes a huge difference
1: yeah no and, and one of the things we've seen also in, in our town uh which is a pretty vibrant youth football program for the northeast which is which is you know yeah. it's because it's, 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 yeah, right. it's somewhat <laughs> unusual um is the you know the shorter side of stuff is probably a good idea because, quite frankly, it's hard to get kids really excited about playing on the offensive line,
2: yeah. right, the defensive <laughs> line, right?
1: I mean, everyone wants to be a skill position player, yeah. um, you know, making plays, everything else. Nobody nobody wants to really learn how to, like, hold a block uh, when they're, when they're you know, 10, 11 years old, however old it is.
3: Yeah, last point, what's really interesting about that, it's not far from you, right? Philadelphia Public Schools, their, their middle school program for dying, okay. a big part of it was lack of field space. So this idea of rookie tackle, we really envision that for sort of anywhere 8 to 10, maybe 12. They took it for their middle school program and they 've literally re-energized football in the area in the you know the public school system in Philadelphia because they could go onto a baseball field any 40 by 35 foot space and and they didn't have to have you know schools busing kids in from all over they could get enough kids because it's only six seven or eight players so it's really sort of those interesting things have happened because of just looking at the whole sport differently
0: Cool. So, so, before we let you guys go, where can people find out more? Most importantly.
3: So, usafootball.com backslash fdm is where you'll get specific information on this.
1: Great, uh, Mark Murphy, Scott Hallbeck. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Um, you know, Murph, next year I'm pretty sure you guys will be you'll be a little busier with other yeah, things. Yeah, hopefully we'll uh, be this time of, in of the year. The Scott has Packers said that to every team, game. by the <laughs> way. <so>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, continue. Best of luck, and thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Thanks so much. You've been listening to The Cust Show, Joe Favorito, Scott Rosner. Yeah. See you down the road.